Welcome to the Life's Hard Succeed Anyway podcast, where you will hear transformational stories, positive encouragement, and practical strategies to help you grow your mindset, reach your potential, live your dreams, and experience a purpose-driven, impact-filled life. Here's your host, Alan Blaine. All right, this is Alan Blaine, and I am fired up to interview our special guest today, Brian Robinson. Brian worked in sales and marketing with some of the best-known companies in the world, companies like Coca-Cola USA and Johnson & Johnson. And upon leaving his corporate career, he helped launch a successful startup where he was the first person in the history of the industry to sell more than a million dollars in business within 12 months, entirely by phone. He has over two decades worth of in-the-trenches, battle-tested, face-to-face, and phone presentation knowledge that can benefit virtually anyone from Fortune 500 companies to entrepreneurial ventures. Brian is also the author of the Amazon number one best-selling book called The Selling Formula, Five Steps to Instant Sales Improvement. He's passionate about encouraging others to fulfill their God-given purpose and is also the host of a killer podcast called Real Faith Stories, which I was honored to get to be on very recently. Brian, welcome to the Life's Hard Succeed Anyway podcast, brother. You ready for this? I am so ready, Alan. Thanks for the intro. I appreciate it, man. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to have this conversation with you. I know we had a great conversation on your podcast earlier today and excited to hear more about your story and get some of that out here for our listeners. I've shared just a brief overview of kind of who you are and some of your highlights, but if you could, can you spend a couple minutes kind of taking us back and just giving us the Cliff Notes version of how you got to where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. So born and raised in the Chicago area, suburb about 15 miles from downtown Chicago called Elmhurst, youngest of three kids and grew up in a predominantly Catholic neighborhood, which is well known in the Chicago area. So we were a Protestant family, went to a Lutheran church, and we were like the outcast from the beginning because nobody around us was Protestant. They were all Catholics. So early on, I dealt with some issues of rejection. And that played into a lot of different things in my life, which we'll probably touch on. Involved in the swim team for years, high school, college, met my wife in college in Indiana, Valparaiso University, and then started working out of college for Coca-Cola USA, the Fountain Division. Was there for several years and then decided that having gut issues from stress wasn't the way I wanted to live my life. So I left and went to work for Johnson & Johnson, 13 years with them four different divisions, primarily operating room oriented focus. And then a friend approached me and asked if I'd like to help him start a business. And then four months of prayer into that, we decided to take the plunge and leave the corporate entity and get involved in a company where nobody knew who the heck you were, going from a billion dollar organization where everybody knows you to a organization that had less than 100,000 in sales and driving 1,000 to 1,500 miles a week, cold calling banks and credit unions up and down I-35 in the central United States, going from a corporate car, Benny's, to nothing, basically. And if you don't sell, you don't eat. You know what I'm talking about. right? So yeah, that's kind of the short story. And through that experience, have learned a lot 
about pain, about God's faithfulness and him showing up in the midst of that. Wow. I can't wait to dive deeper into this. Okay. I'm going to go back to lots of rejection. What did you mean by, I mean, I know what rejection is, but I mean, I guess there's different forms of rejection. You said you faced a lot of rejection. What did that look like and why? Yeah, it was interesting, Alan. I have always been in leadership roles ever since I was young. And it started with being the captain of the swim team in high school as a freshman, which was not normal, and wound up being the captain for a majority of the years. And so leadership and then being in a leadership position often is lonely. And what was interesting is when I, as an example, I would reach out to some of my friends and try to set up a time to do something together. This was in high school. And oftentimes I would get, yes, 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 let's do that. And then no one would ever call back or they would go ahead and do it without me. And that was kind of the way my life rolled when I was younger. And so I started to take on this sense of, I am rejected. I'm a loner. Nobody really cares about me, but I'm going to keep performing and keep doing what I know to do to stay at the top of my game because that's how I'm going to win. What do you attribute that rejection to? Was it just normal childhood stuff or was it going back to the fact that it was a predominantly dominant Catholic community you were growing up in and you were the odd man out in that regard? It's hard to put a finger on it, but here's what I can say knowing now and looking back. We have a family motto and it's this, you're Robinson, take the lead. And Interestingly, Alan, every one of my children has had a similar experience of being a loner and being rejected. Hmm. So what I'm wondering is, is this some kind of engineering of circumstances that forces me to really press in to the Lord and his presence, right? So that I can overcome that. I think after looking at it, yeah, there's certain things that God allows into our lives to temper us to draw us close to him. And I think that's kind of in the DNA of our family. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I mean, it's a a lot easier to forget about him when we're comfortable. And I know rejection is not comfortable. And I would imagine, my guess is that probably played a key role into your success later on in sales. Because you were in sales for 13 years at Johnson & Johnson, right? Yes. Sales, my whole career, sales and sales training and marketing. So what do you say to somebody that, I mean, this isn't a sales podcast, but there's plenty of people that listen that are in some form of sales. And I would even argue we're all in sales. I mean, I sold my wife on marrying me. I sell my children on obeying me every day. You know, we're, we're always selling something. People just don't realize it. But what would you say to somebody that struggles with fear of rejection and the sense of just in general, just trying to help somebody and they're afraid to be rejected. Maybe they're selling something they believe would really benefit somebody and they're dealing with rejection. You know, performance is what happens in a lot of the lives of individuals who have been rejected. So you wind up performing in front of people, not being authentic and vulnerable, right? So my encouragement to somebody who's dealing with rejection is to identify where you're performing and lay it down because the best version of yourself is the one that's not performing. It's actually living out of the true heart of who you are. Here's a story about that. This was about a year ago. 
I was invited on to a webinar with a friend of mine who's a world-renowned marketer. And he wanted me to present my book, The Selling Formula, to everybody in his network. Okay, I wrote the book. I should know the stuff, <laughs> right? So about 45 minutes before the webinar starts, I am laying on my bed. My office is right off the bedroom. And I'm stressed out of my mind. And I'm praying. and I'm saying, God, help me. I don't know what's going on here. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, I'm going to teach you a lesson. I'm like, well, great. Can you take the stress from me? And I'm quoting scriptures and all this stuff. And I get on the webinar and you ever, I'm sure you have, because I heard your story. You ever been in your lizard brain where you're fight or flight and you can't grab words and phrases and thoughts that you'd normally be able to very easily grab? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I felt that way after the introduction. He goes, take it away, Brian. Give us the five steps of your selling formula. And I'm starting to do this. And in my mind, here's the voice I'm hearing. You are really effing up. <laughs> While I'm giving my five components of the selling formula. And I'm saying in my mind, what the heck is going on? What is this voice? Finally, he engages me with questions. Things calm down. We finished the webinar and he texts me and he goes, man, that was great. <laughs> I said, dude, if you only knew how tormented I was inside. And so I was so stressed out. I went to bed at 730 that night and I knew I was going to unpack this with the Lord in the morning. So I got up the next morning and I literally wrote over four pages of just processing. And the bottom line was this. It's what I said kind of at the beginning is the Holy Spirit showed me that when you perform you eliminate my ability to live through you fully and completely the way I've created you to have me live through you. It blocks who I've created you to be by trying to perform. And I'm sure you felt like you're pushing rocks uphill at times when you're trying to make stuff happen, mm. as opposed to being behind an 18-wheeler, so to speak, and being drafted by the Lord's goodness in front of you. Mm. And that's the difference between, for me, performance and really living in relationship and partnership with the Lord. And that's what he was showing me. And that's ultimately what I think happens when somebody who has experienced rejection and tries to perform to overcome that, when they finally come to the realization that God is for you, that he wants to partner with you and love you and help you through things, it changes everything. I love that, Brian. Tell me, what was it? What was the catalyst to cause you after 13 years at Johnson & Johnson to make a big career change, still in sales, but a completely different kind of sales in a, I think, different industry with a much, much smaller company? And it sounds like much less pay potentially. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was tired of building equity in a large corporation. In the fourth division I was in, I was about 85% penetrated in the territory that I had. And to get the other 15% was going to be a monumental amount of effort with very little return. And so it was the timing of my friend asking me, would you like to join what I'm trying to do? And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm interested. And like I mentioned, we prayed for months and then finally had a yes and then a dream that really confirmed everything. Would you like to hear that dream? Love to hear the dream. Very short dream, very profound for me. I had a dream back in the day when the draft was active in the United States. It was a two-year commitment. So 
people had a draft card. If your number was called, you go and you serve for two years. Well, in the dream, I was being drafted. I knew it. And I'm in a line of men of about 100 people. And we're all just in boxer shorts walking into this cinder block building. And there's a woman in the building handing out boots and fatigues to each of us that get in front of her. So she's reaching down to hand me my boots and fatigues. And she says, Mr. Robinson, you'll no longer eat when you want to eat, drink when you want to drink, or do what you want to do. From now on, you'll do everything we tell you to do. And the dream ended. I woke up going, what was that? So I started unpacking this and saying, Lord, what is this really meaning? And he said, as I was journaling, and I say he said, that's the impression I received was, you're getting ready to enter a two-year period where there's no turning back, no matter mm. what. If a recruiter calls you, no matter how hard it gets, you're drafted, and this is going to be a minimum two years. So I went in with that attitude. And sure enough, I start getting calls from recruiters. And I thought I knew how to sell. Had a little pride going on. Different kind of recruiters, right? Yeah. These are medical recruiters from that industry, right? And so I wound up sticking with it only because of that dream. There were so many times I wanted to leave. But if it wasn't for that dream, I would have. And I'm so grateful I stuck with it. Now I'm actually 22 years into this. And my income has gone up 5x because I stayed here and left corporate America. And the freedom I have having left corporate America has been phenomenal. So where is the business at today? You joined 22 years ago. It was doing 100000 a year in sales. And what is the business, by the way? What do you sell? What do you do? Yeah, the company's called Works24. And we sell in-lobby digital signage to banks and credit unions all over the country, overhead music and messages on hold. And it started as an on-hold message company where you put somebody on hold, right? And it's like, I went from training surgeons to selling messages on hold. What? Yeah. <laughs> Big change. Yeah, we felt led to do it. And so 22 years later, what's the size of the company today? We're not a big company. We're a niche firm. We do about 10 million a year. Wow. And it, the margins are very good. And we work with fantastic clients. And it's been just a terrific experience for all of us. Oh, that's awesome. A hundred X, if I'm doing my math right, about a hundred times the size of the volume the company was doing 22 years ago when you joined. Yeah. Uh, that's commendable. Wow. And what is your role there with the company? My title is VP of Strategic Partnerships. I'm a glorified sales marketing guy. Gotcha. <laughs> And you run a very successful podcast, I guess, on the side, if you will, in addition to your primary career. Yes, that's a real passion project of mine. I mean, you've obviously had a lot of success and your podcast is ranked up there pretty well, doing awesome. What do you attribute just your success in general, both professionally and your family? I know you have eight children, have an awesome family, been blessed in many ways. What do you attribute your success to, or what is even one key to your success? Maybe asked a different way. I would say two words, embrace struggle. Mm. That is something that many people fear is struggle. In fact, I remember vividly dropping one of our daughters off at college her freshman year, and her roommate actually had a printed poster above her desk that said, embrace struggle. 
And it really hit me that that is an absolute key in order to move forward in one's life. And instead of trying to run from it, there's something powerful about embracing it because in that struggle, there is a seed of growth that I think is an opportunity for us to embrace. 100%. And it's something I wish I would have realized and learned years, years earlier. I think that, you know, to be able to understand that, the sooner the better, the more growth that can take place instead of resisting the struggle. Cause that's what I did for too many years. It's resisted the struggle, resisted the pain, want to get away from it. You know, not that we enjoy it, but it's mm-hmm. perspective and what, you know, what am I learning through this? What does God want to teach me through this? How can I grow through this? So important. I love that. I love that. That's a good one. What would you say is one or more of the bigger challenges that you've been through at this point in your life? One of the biggest challenges for me was early on with the company, Works 24. So we had six children at the time that I started the position there. And like I mentioned, I was driving 1,000 to 1,500 miles a week. So my wife was pregnant with twins. Six months in, she has the babies. Ridiculous for me to be on the road that much, three, four days a week. And so I cried out to the Lord to show me a way to get off the road. And there is a program I got my hands on, a CD program, shows you how dated this is, (laughs) called Piranha Marketing by Joe Polish. And I was driving down the road, and I remember hearing in that series that he did free recorded messages to get people to call him so he could generate leads. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's the answer. This was back when people actually read faxes and had fax machines. Right. So we had a relationship with a couple state associations in the banking industry. And I wrote a very simple fax with a call to call our office if you're interested and call this extension and listen to a free recorded message. So I recorded a message on it. And interestingly, when we sent that fax blast out, we started getting calls, so many so that the receptionist was getting angry with me saying, well, you quit sending this stuff out. You're jamming the phone line and people want to hear this message. And it started generating leads. It was like miraculous for me because with that as a first step allowed me to do is start getting off the road and generating leads that way. And that morphed into a landing page with doing direct mail. And that's how I was able to thankfully grow the business over the years and get off the road. Gotcha. With direct mail leading them to a landing page. That's correct. So the early forms of internet marketing, essentially, using direct mail as the first contact. Yes. And then I had to learn how to sell over the phone instead of face-to-face. And that was quite a transition. And so that's actually the essence of the book I wrote, The Selling Formula, is how to not sell face-to-face, how to sell over the phone or via webinar. And what would you say, since we don't have time to go deep dive into that, and I recommend others, you know, just get your book that are interested in learning more about that. But what would you say is one tip that you could share as it relates to that topic, selling over the phone or via webinar? One of the most powerful things I can share is this. Have an upfront agenda that you share with your prospect. And you basically say, here are the three things we're going to cover. Tell them A, B, and C, or one, two, three, and it creates a roadmap in their mind that they're going to follow, and it literally creates a framework that brings great comfort to somebody who's wondering, where is this person going to go with me? Yeah. 
that was a huge game changer for me. So good. So practical. I mean, I can relate with that. You know, I'm giving someone my time to learn about something. I like to know where we're going. What's the plan? Let me know that ahead of time. That's good stuff. So back to leaving, you left your Johnson and Johnson job. So 22 years ago, it's been a little while. You said you prayed for four months with your wife about it. What was the main driver in doing that? You know, I was just reading, Brian, I mean, maybe two weeks ago now, and I forget where it was. I guess it doesn't matter at this point, but it was something, the percentages of people that are dissatisfied with their work and or their working environment was like 80 something percent. And the percentage of people that had considered leaving their career within the past year was like 57% as it related to, yeah, their work, their work environment, coworkers, all the things. It's just like, there's so many people out there that are just dissatisfied and probably feeling like they'd enjoy doing something else or have other reasons to want to do something else. But many people are scared to make a change. What was it for you that drove that change? Hmm. A couple things. First of all, I was getting bored. Honestly, I was working a couple days a week. I worked hard, but then I had a bunch of free time. And then the second was I didn't want to build equity and keep building equity in a large corporation who could just cut me at any moment and I would have nothing. So I had the opportunity to try to do something on my own. And I've kind of had an entrepreneurial bend most of my life. And this was a chance to really test that. I didn't think that way at the time, but that's what was happening. And I'm grateful I did. Was it a little scary there at the beginning, early going? Are you kidding? (laughs) It was intense, man. Oh, my word. What have I done? You know, I walk in, I've got a folder, a three-ring binder of messages that we've written, and we just show, show them to the bankers. and. I'm like, here we go. Here's messages. We can help sell things when people are on hold. And they're like, we don't put people on hold. I mean, there's so many things you have to overcome with a little sale for that. Mm. And yes, it was overwhelming at first. And I remember that I sometimes would pull over on the side of the road and I'd cry out to the Lord and say, God, I, I can't do this. I can't sell this unless you help me. Here's a case in point. This was part of my getting off the road. I came out of my office one day, my wife, I asked her to come by the office and have lunch with me in the car. I had already packed. Here was the high quality stuff, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. (laughs) And I, I get in the car with her and I just break down. I start weeping and I've got a whiteboard in my office that I'm marking off people that I've sent CDs to with testimonies of other bankers. That was my lead generation tool at the time. and. I remember crying, wiping my face, getting out of the car, going back and just kept doing what I was doing. It's okay to get emotional and break down, but oftentimes you just got to keep putting one foot in front of the other and things start happening. Don't quit. I love that. So it wasn't some big aha moment or some big lucky break or anything like that. You're grinding. You're on the road a lot. You're going through really hard times. Your wife's back home with twins. These were some challenging times and you just kept going because you knew you were going the direction you were called to go. You were doing what God had called you to do. You'd prayed about it for four months and you just kept going. It's interesting. So many people, I think, 
think that successful people do something so extraordinary or out of the box or so unique or differently or, or whatever. And although there are those cases where someone invents something so special or unique or, or whatever, what I find is most people like yourself, I think is a great example is they just keep doing the next right thing, you know, doing consistent work over an extended period of time, much longer than anyone else that doesn't have success is willing to do. I think that really is a big differentiator between people that have success and those that don't, don't you? Yes. And I think the best way to give you an example of what my self-talk was during that season, I remember leaving my office, going to the restroom and walking down the hall back to my office. And I would say out loud, be kind to your future, Brian, do what it takes to be kind to your future, Brian. And that meant do what it takes now. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. Keep persevering. And one of my favorite sayings is you can do hard, easy, or easy, hard. Mm, I love that. Right? Yeah. And so it was hard and things have gotten easier. And I put that in air quotes. There's always a challenge no matter what space you're in, but it's definitely way better than it was years ago. That ties right in with the quote I love to be reminded of too. And I say it a little differently than I've heard it said, but if you do what is easy, your life will be hard. If you always just choose the easy thing, right? Your life will likely be hard, but if you do what is hard, your life, many will say, will be easy. I don't believe anybody's life will ever be easy. So I'll say easier. If you do what is hard, life will be easier. I love that. So I want to go back to, so your main reason for leaving was I think what I'm hearing is is a meaningful pursuit. And I was it's interesting because I was just talking about that with someone earlier today, just how I believe that God wired us, each and every one of us, created us for meaningful pursuit, for adventure, not just a selfish, self-centered, what's in it for me, I want to go on a vacation adventure, but an adventurous life, ultimately of serving him and serving others around us, you know, and adding value to other people. But it's so easy to go through life and go through motions and realize we're we're kind of lacking that. And it sounds like we have a lot of that in common as well. You know, you were making a great living. You had a great career with Johnson and Johnson as did I in my previous career, but I lacked, and it sounds like you lacked that meaningful pursuit where, you know, Hey, I'm waking up and I'm going to spend a majority of my waking hours or many of my waking hours doing something that's purposeful, that's meaningful, that, that matters. And I, I think so many people are lacking that. And would you say it's worth it to pursue a meaningful pursuit looking back in hindsight? Yeah. I mean, the, the question I was asking myself is if, if not now, when? Right. If you could go back in time and give your younger self some advice, even just one piece of advice, I know I'd love to give myself a lot of advice differently, <laughs> but what is one piece of advice you'd love to give your younger self? Don't take what people think of you so seriously. It ultimately, most are thinking of themselves anyway, and not thinking about you. That's liberating. Mm -hmm. We we think people are thinking about us way more than they are, don't we? (laughs) It's amazing. How do you view your past challenges now? Like thinking back on it now, and maybe even, you know, any of them, but like those early years, 22 years ago, or any other hard things you've been through, how, how do you view that in hindsight? Great question. Really from the perspective of be kind to yourself with your inner dialogue. I'm a type AAA 
like you, Alan. Yeah. Get it done. Slay the dragon. Check the box. You know, fill in the blank. Whatever. And I took myself way too seriously. Others too seriously, as I mentioned. And what's something I've only recently started to internalize is what voice am I listening to, and why is that voice so harsh when it comes to thinking about myself? And I remember literally this was last week. I was working in my garage, doing some work on a chainsaw. The the chain fell off and I was getting all ticked off about it. And I start going off in my mind in a funky direction, right? Saying what I shouldn't say up here. And I, I said out loud, are you kidding me? You host a Christian podcast. Look at the stuff that's coming out of your brain. And I was just lambasting myself. And the next morning, I got up to make coffee and I literally felt the Holy Spirit say, I love you. Be kind when you speak to yourself. Mm. And everything just fell off of me. And I quit judging myself at that moment. So it was pretty powerful. That is powerful. And I know plenty of us need to hear that. What advice would you give to somebody, Brian, that's right now in the middle of their fire? They're going through their storm of whatever that may be. What advice would you share with them? A couple of things. I would say, of all things, seek first the kingdom of God. Just stop and press into the Lord. Our tendency as humans is to do everything else but that. Mm. And the Lord promises that if you seek him first, he'll add to you what you need. What do you need? Do you need wisdom? You need understanding. You need finances. I'm not saying he's a genie that you rub the lamp with. Not at all. But there is something about relationship that he so, so values. And I think that's the key is press into that relationship. He's a good father. He'll help you. That's the best advice I'd give anybody, including my children. Great advice. Can't top that one. Do you have a favorite quote, maybe a business quote or success quote for entrepreneurs or any quote for that matter that you'd love to share? I actually have a scripture. All right, let's do that. It's in Romans. I, I don't remember the address, I think 10 or 11. And it says, oh, the depths of the wisdom and riches of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways for who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who was first given to him that it might be paid back to him again for from him, through him, and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. All things are from him and to him. Yeah. Love it. You just quoted the best-selling author of all time. Man, doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is one habit, maybe, maybe something, a daily habit or any kind of habit that you have that you believe could be helpful to share with others that it's been helpful in your success? Yeah, two things. Of course, that's kind of been the running theme here is seeking the Lord first. That is a deep passion of mine. What a lot of people try to do is tag the Lord onto their life and add him to their life. What God wants us to do is keep him literally at the epicenter of our life where everything flows out from there. And the other thing is work out. It has been such a source of incredible peace to work out and just take care of my body that way. It gets rid of a lot of stress. <laughs> so good. I ditto both of those. Great, great advice, two great habits. What is one of the best pieces of advice someone has shared with you? Great question. Don't let yourself get into performance. Be diligent 
to be in the present and not be focused on outcomes, be connected to what you're doing at that moment and just watch God flow through you as opposed to, again, trying to make something happen. I love that. I, I know we're kind of winding this interview down, but I want to go back to this idea of performance and not performing and letting God produce the fruit of the work. And what do you say to somebody that says, well, okay, Brian, I'm hearing what you're saying, but are you saying I'm not supposed to work hard? Like I just sit there on the couch and you know what? God's going to put money in my bank account. Like how do I decipher that? What's my role? And what's God's role and how hard do I work? Are you saying I don't write down goals? I don't have KPIs. I don't have vision. I don't have a destination I'm heading to that I believe I've prayed it through and is God's will for this, that, or the other area of my life or business. How do you walk that out in real life? Because I know you're a successful business guy as well. So how do those two ideas jive together? Yeah. The best way that I can answer that is to say this, fill the space God has given you to fill in the moment you're in it. Of course, write goals, of course, have KPIs. For example, when you're in the middle of a sales conversation, say that's what you do for a living. Be fascinated with the person that you're speaking with. Love them, care about them. Your entire focus is on serving as opposed to what a performance mindset would say is, as you're speaking to them, I hope I can close this deal. Mm. How can I make this work in this way? And instead of trying to make it happen, you're actually communing with the Lord in a way, and again, back to that fills the space you're in, and that's motivated by love because what does the word of God say about love? Love never fails. Will you fail? Of course you will. But if you have loved, you have not failed. So good. So good. Thank you for clarifying that. What's one book you may recommend our listeners check out? I know you've got your book, so feel free to plug that again here in addition to your book. What is one other book possibly that you may recommend for our audience, the Life's Hard Succeed Anyway audience? One of my favorite books released about a year ago is by Jamie Winship, and it's called Living Fearless. Jamie is a incredible man of God who is all about understanding your identity. I highly recommend the book. Very powerful. Love it. And what was the name of that? Living Fearless? Living Fearless. Okay. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And what would you say? I love asking people, all of my guests on the show that since I've started doing this, what your definition is of success, Brian? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's success. Ultimately, I can't think of a better definition. And of course, love well. And what would you say if I asked you, how would you know if you're living a successful life? Never been asked that. (laughs) Throw you a curveball. You know, yeah, I think you have a sense internally if you're aligned with what God has created you to be and do, Mm. more aligned with who you are to be, that's identity. Right. So it's a very quick story. May I share it? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. There's another book. It's called 
Healing the Orphan Spirit by Leif Hetland. And he talks about three chairs. Chair three is people sitting in the chair that don't know the Lord. It's the world. They're lost. Chair two is most Christians, you are saved. You know the Lord. But performance is still what you do every day. It's adding God to what you have. Chair one is somebody who knows that they're a son or daughter of God. They know they're loved, and they know that God is with them as they step into everything they're doing. Living in chair one, I'm not there yet. I go in and out of chair one and two. But my chief desire is to become so connected with the love of God and understanding who I am as a son of God that I no longer worry about provision or protection or anything else in my life. Mm. That's where I want to live. And I don't know if I answered your question. (laughs) I mean, I think you know when you're fully trusting and you're fully surrendered and you're fully walking by faith, at least we hopefully will know that. We know when we're not, at least we become aware when we're not, when God's spirit convicts us of that and, you know, loves us enough to show us that. So I think that makes a lot of sense. And I really appreciate you sharing that. What excites you about the future? Brian, when you start thinking about the future right now, maybe something you're working on or just anything in general. I'm excited about where God wants to take my voice with the podcast. And he's actually invited me into writing a 40-day devotional that's connected to various stories from the podcast. So I'm in the middle of working on that. And I'm also excited about having an advisory So the Lord has given me opportunities to connect with leaders of leaders like yourself, Alan, and just have times of prayer with them. And invariably, the Lord shows up. Again, I put that in air quotes with discernment, with words of wisdom and things that will help people as they're working through their own questions and their own business in life. And I love being connected to helping people do that. I love it. Those are a couple of things to be very excited about. What is the best way for our listeners to connect with you, Brian, and follow along on your journey and get any information that, you know, they may choose to do from your resources, your book, your podcast, whatever you might want to share? Yeah, it's brianrobinson.co for company, B-R-I-A-N-R-O-B-I-N-S-O-N.co. Everything, Brian Robinson's there. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. And I'll give you the final closing comment. That's been awesome. I'll let you have the last word. Thank you. I would just encourage anyone watching or listening to this to remember that God loves you beyond anything you can imagine. And I've heard that myself, and I would often say, oh, really? But there is so much treasure in seeking him first. I know I keep saying that, but it's the word of God. Seek him first. I just encourage you to do that. That's a great word to go out on. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate your time. Thank you for sharing with our audience a little bit of your story, a little bit of your wisdom, your heart. And I have no doubt this is going to encourage a bunch of our listeners. So thank you so much. Thanks, Alan. It was such an honor. If you love this podcast, grab some of Alan's free resources on his website at alanblain.com, spelled A-L-L-A-N-B-L-A-I-N.com. You can also find links to Alan's Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok there in his contacts page. Lastly, if you can leave a five-star review for us on your favorite podcast app, that will get these messages out to more people and it will really mean the world to us. Thanks in advance and make it a great day.